The following podcast is brought to you by the Station of the Cross. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved. Good morning. How good to be with you. I am thrilled. This is our third day together live streaming. And uh, welcome. If you're new to the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News, I'm, I'm so happy to be with you. And we're going to talk for about a half hour and then take your questions, emails and text for the next half hour. And our toll-free number, just so you can jot it down if you have anything on your heart. It never needs to be what we're speaking about. Uh, again, the the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. So anything that's on your heart, you can call or text or email anonymously if you wish. Um, Toll-free, the number to call and text is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Um, and again, we will take your calls and emails and texts after the first break in the order they come in. Um, we've been talking about um, how we are to live in a world that's turned from God, especially if we're Catholic, especially if we want to honor God and be his disciples, be his witnesses in the world and come to heaven ourselves. And that is, we said a day or two ago, to live as if it's true. That is, in all we do, in all we say, in all we don't do, and in all we don't say. Walking moment by moment with him, making every choice, every word, every decision based on uh, who we claim to be as as his people. And so, you know, I've mentioned uh, before that when we grew up in our conservative Jewish home, we knew who we were. We knew... We were God's people. Did we have an apology for our faith, an apologetics to answer everyone and why we believed what we believed? No. Well, I would say to my mother, Ma, why do we do this? Why do we do that? And she'd give me the answer of a Jewish mother, don't ask. <laughs> so a lot of things we never knew. What we did know is that we were Jews. We were the people of God and that everything we did and didn't do reflected on who we claimed to be on the God we came, we claim to worship. And I'll tell you, I could have been in school, elementary school, on the street playing with my friends, my speech, everything. And I don't think my parents ever said this to us. It just was ingrained in me that whatever came out of my mouth, whatever decisions I made, uh, reflected not only on my immediate family and parents, but on the Jewish people throughout the whole world and ultimately on our God. And um, it, it would be a, a matter of shame, not just personal punishment or personal wrongdoing, but it would be a matter of shame if we dishonored who we were and our God. And you see, um, 
our desire here, we're, we're the daughters of Mary, mother of Israel's hope, Benedictine sisters, and our charism is to help restore God's design for the family. We long for that. And what I long to help families do is give their children, parents, a sense of identity, not just religion, that we go to church on Sunday because we're Catholic. We do this or don't do this because we're Catholic. But because we're the people, it's true, but because Catholics are the people of God through the church he established. And we honor or dishonor God in everything we do and fail to do. Everything. So there's a sense of identity of not what religion you live or your parents live, but who you are from from a tiny tot on, who you are, that you want to be heroic, that you don't want to base your life based on the world, based on what people think of you or of your God. doesn't matter. You know who you are. You know who God is. And that's how we make decisions. And so uh, I, I would... I would urge every parent to begin to teach their children. And, you, and your children cannot know uh, who they are if you don't know who you are. And if you go to church on Sunday and live during the week as if God doesn't exist, even though you believe he does, but in your behavior, your language, uh, the, the, the things you do and the things you don't do, um, are they Catholic? Can somebody, uh, could you be accused if Catholics were being persecuted in our day, which uh, we're hardly being persecuted in America, but I don't doubt that that's coming. Would you be arrested? Would you be arrested? Would people know you're Catholic by your life? Would they know? I pray they would, not because I want us arrested or killed, but because we must be witnesses to the true God for our salvation, but for the salvation of the world. And I firmly believe um, I remember what uh, that wonderful convert, Peter Kreeft, said. How come, he asked, could 12 uh, disciples convert the world and 12 half a billion Christians cannot repeat the feat? Because those 12 lived as if it's true, everything they did. They were to be God's ambassadors, God's witnesses, and that's what we are. So, um, how do we live as if it's true if we don't know the truth? So identity, we're the people of God. Yes, 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 we're the people of God. If I'm tempted to do something what is immoral, um, then I say, but I will disgrace God. How dare I make that choice if I'm aware of it, that I make that choice and let people know at the same time I'm Catholic. Now look at me, I'm in a habit it's not a secret. Oy vey. Do you know how many times I, in my temptation, it's a lot less now, but for the first few years when I was wearing this habit and I was ecstatic to wear the habit, but before I was wearing a habit in my Catholic years, but I wasn't a sister, I would go to certain restaurants with a book and sit down to me. I think it was my greatest thing to do to go to there were two favorite restaurants i had one was a jewish deli in san diego and was a one was a just a regular restaurant and i used to go my favorite thing to do when i come home from a conference or trips i would take a good book and i'd go to the restaurant and i'd sit 
and have a meal, maybe with a glass of wine, Jewish deli, with coffee, whatever it was. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing sinful. Everything fine. But I won't do it with a habit now. I tell you, my personal, my personal temptations, I have been so tempted, so tempted to do that, that I said, I can't do it in a habit. I can't do it in a habit. What are people going to think of God, of religious life? You know, and some people will say, well, you deserve to do that. No, I don't. I am so privileged to be wearing this habit that I wouldn't dare do that. Can you imagine Mother Teresa? She's my example. Can you imagine Mother Teresa going to a steakhouse or any other place and sitting there in her habit and reading a book and by herself? You wouldn't picture that. Now maybe she's on the road she might do something, but she's not going to go and sit in a restaurant by herself. When I, if I'm with people, sometimes families, you know, they'll take me and we'll go, or my sisters, we go because we're not strictly contemplative, and we will go with them to, um, in a sense, uh, be polite, accept their invitation, and be able to spend time with them. We will do that. But by myself, absolutely not. I picture myself if I were sitting there and looking like Mother Teresa, people would say, what? You know, there's a religious in a full habit. What is she doing spending this kind of money and time and eating like this? Don't normal people do that? Of course they do. Are they wrong? No. But people expect differently from a nun who lives the vow of poverty. And I've never, no matter how tempted I've been in the past, I'm less tempted now, but there are times I like to escape. I never do it. I have not once done it because I'm concerned with the witness. I'm concerned um, what people think of God, of a nun in a habit. You see, I want God to be honored. And maybe a number of people will do nothing. Nothing, not an issue to them. Uh, they'll pick up my bill. It's happened before when I've been on, a, on the road. I stop to get food because I haven't eaten. Um, it, they picked up my check uh, at times. And they may not have a problem, but others will. And I don't say, well, too bad for them. No. We are to avoid even uh, the possibility of scandal. I will not do it. You know, I'm talking for myself. I wish I were talking for every priest. And for every religious, what people think of us is what they're going to think of the Catholic Church. We represent that, and we represent God, we represent hope. And every time I see a priest out of his clerics, my heart sinks. It absolutely sinks. I'll be on the, I'll be on the road, I'll be in airports, whatever it is, always in my habit, and Someone will come up to me, a priest, and he'll tell me. He's, I didn't know he was a priest, but he'll tell me. And I will say to him, it depends. I don't always say this. Why aren't you in your clerics? Well, you know, I just wanted to kind of, I'm on vacation. And, you know, I, I didn't want people coming to me and, and, you know, asking me for confessions and all that. And I am mortified. I can't fathom that. You don't want people because you're on vacation coming to you with confessions for their souls? 
I tell you what, at that moment, I feel like a different creature, that they're a different creature. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with your soul, your heart, your priesthood, that you wouldn't take advantage of every moment to be assigned to souls, to be a refuge for souls? My goodness, it, it is... It's amazing to me. I can't keep going on about that, beloved. But I, I think I told you the story of when I was in Walmart, not too, uh, uh, just a few months ago. And a woman came up to me. And I don't have to keep saying you, I'm in my habit. I don't go anywhere outside of my habit. I would sleep and shower in this habit if I didn't have to, if I didn't have to pay the consequences of having to iron it every time and dry it out. No. I don't do anything outside of this habit. And a woman came to me in Walmart and she said, "Um, Sister, um, can I ask you a question? I said, of course. She said, well, I've had this question for a long time and I haven't seen one of you for a long time. You know, I used to see nuns in habits, but but I I, I haven't seen you. And I've had this question, but I, I don't want to offend you. And I said, you cannot offend me. Don't worry. You cannot. So I said, just go ahead. And she said, well, what's with the black? What's with the black? And I said to her, it's the color of death. She said, well, that's what I thought. Why do you wear black? I said, because the idea of the black is that we die to ourselves in that we can give ourselves to the world. And she said, wow, that's cool. That's great. Wow. Wow. I don't know if I could die to myself. Wow, just fabulous. See, everything we do, it's so, so beautiful, beloved. I just wish I could impart it. You know, I've said before, I said it to Father Groeschel when he was alive, I want a million women flooding the streets before I die and 20 million after I die. You know, and I thought... I don't know that that'll ever happen. I've asked God to let me live to 500, so it can happen. I don't know if it'll ever happen. But you know, if God would answer my prayer, that all the women, all the sisters who have taken off their habits would put them back on, and at very minimum, the veil. At very minimum, the veil. Now, many sisters look like they shop at Nordstrom's or even Walmart. You wouldn't know there are none at all, at all. You wouldn't know. Some of them wear makeup and jewelry. But even those who don't, you wouldn't know. No sign that they're a sister. Um, Though there might be a couple of signs, but I won't even say those because they're just not pleasant. Um, And I say, how? oh, it's just awful. But if the sisters all over the world would put their habits back on, even modified, even modified habits, skirts below the knees, women, and some form of habit and a veil, even if it's a bit short. The veil is paramount. Then I'd have my million, they wouldn't be mine, but I'd have, have a million women in habits walking the streets or in the world. That would be an enormous witness, just an enormous witness I was looking up to see if there were a particular Benedictine order in a certain diocese just a couple of days ago. And 
I found it, and I was so thrilled. And they have a monastery, and I was more thrilled. And then I looked, there was no pictures of them, and I finally found pictures on their website. And there must be 40 women there. That's a fabulous number. And you can't tell that one of them is a sister. They dress nothing alike. They, they look like they shop in Macy's or, you know, at the very least, Walmart. But their clothes are pretty nice. It's just so grievous to me. In this time where the world is going downhill and the faith is being destroyed and Catholics are leaving the church left and right, that a nun who has had the privilege of that calling and has made vows would refuse to be assigned to God in the world, to please herself or to please her sisters or for whatever her reason is. I tell you, beloved, if you're a sister out of habit, I can't judge you. I never will. I never will. You may love God more than I will ever love him. And you've probably lived for him with all your life more than I will ever have years on earth. So I I can't judge that. I don't judge your love for God, your heart for God, anything. But I beg you, I beg you, don't try to be one with the people. Because you're out of your habit. Don't try that. They desperately need you to be who you are. A sign to God. A sign of eternity. A sign of hope. The world needs to know who you are. They need to know that. They need to see your sacredness. They need to see your head covered and your veil. They need that. They need that. You owe it to them. You owe it to the world to put the habit back on. So I know many sisters might be cursing me out there, maybe saying she doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, Well, I'll tell you, I may not, but I've told the story that when I was 19 years old in New York, this conservative Jew did not know who a Christian was, let alone Catholic from Protestant. I only knew there were two people in the world, Jews and non-Jews, but it was the mini, middle of the miniskirt era, and the news came out that nuns had permission to shorten their habits to knee length. And with that news, I, something, electric, I've told you many times, um, something electric went right through me, an electric dart through my heart, physical. I was paralyzed for three seconds, and I thought, Whoever these women are in the world, they're in the world to affect the world for God. This is a good thing. This was when I was a little girl, and not a little girl, teenager in Brooklyn, and I saw the women in long black and white habits, and I said that they're in the world to affect the world for God. They're not Jewish, but this is a good thing to affect the world for God. And I didn't know anything about Vatican II. I didn't know anything about anything. But I knew it was the miniskirt error, and the only thing I could think is that it was a religious accommodation to the miniskirt era. It's the only thing I thought. And I, that electric bolt went through me, and it had nothing to do with me, beloved, but it was my deep and immediate loss. My deep and immediate loss is what it was. It wasn't mine. I lost what wasn't mine, and I never forgot it. And you may know um, from my, conversion story, 
that I've told several times, that it was exactly 26 years later that, um, 26 years later, that that same electric bolt went through my heart. The moment I was listening to some tapes of a troublemaker by the name of Scott Hahn, many of you know who he is, Presbyterian pastor that became Catholic, I was just shocked out of my mind. How could he have become Catholic? And through those tapes, God put that electric shock through my heart. And I knew it was the same thing that happened to me when I was 19, those two times in my entire life. And I knew on the spot again, I was paralyzed for three seconds. And it was such an impact that I knew on the spot, if I did not look into the claims of the Catholic Church, I'd be turning from God. And now when I look back, I know something even more, that that electric, physical, electric moment if you had shot a bow and arrow, but it was electric and it went right through me, that's what it felt like. And when I look, uh, I knew more than I looked into the Catholic Church. I went, I went from set, trying to save every Catholic and get them out of the church to knowing that it was true. I think I knew on the, the second that it was true. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't stand it. And I the whole of my uh, 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 the whole of my almost five year agonizing search the whole of that search was finding out how on earth it could be true how on earth it could be true let me just say I've just looked at our monica, the little monitor that I have before me here in Tulsa, Oklahoma and um, uh, I, I see that the uh, the uh, the picture of um, that you're listening to Mother Miriam live by LifeSide Station of the Cross keeps coming up, and the only thing that I can guess is that something keeps happening with the little camera we have. It looks on, but sometimes it goes on and off. So, but we'll keep talking. We won't let that disturb us. So, um, in any case, beloved, uh, it's the church. It's the truth. It's the church our Lord died for. And I would beg you, as I strive myself, to live for him with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul. Now, um, we haven't been formed. Most of us don't know, know the Catholic faith. And even if we know the Catholic faith, we don't know everything. My goodness. And in this time of confusion, uh, confusion, forget without the church, but within the church. We expect confusion and lies and heresy, and uh, distortion, and attacks without the church. But we don't expect it within the church. And that's what we're suffering from today. Heresy, um, um, oh, just apostasy, uh, everything that our Lord would happen um, toward the end times. Times began with Jesus. We are nearing the end of the end times. I'm not a prophet. I just take these messages from many who are. And in fact, in our new newsletter, I'm recommending four books concerning our days and the end times. And an incredible passage. If I can bring it up while we're on the air, I will do that. But it's a tremendous passage um, from St. Peter. 
um, no, no, it's it's Paul to Timothy is what it is, um, who writes to Timothy about the end times. Um, let me see if I can bring that up. What happened? I don't know what happened. Um, my goodness. I'm trying to get the screen back, and I can't do it. Don't know it. Don't know what happened, dear ones. Um, there it is. Okay, we're on again. We're on. All right. Uh, if I can get that passage, it's Second Timothy, um, I think, chapter 2. Uh, I'll get it back for you in a minute. I'm printing it in our next, we are printing it in our next newsletter. I tell you, if there was ever a passage, if there was ever a passage that, um, um, where to let me put that up again. I'm sorry, I'm talking to myself here, um, trying to get that scripture for you. If there was ever a passage that described our days, um, this is what it is. I've got it. I'm going to read it to you. We just have a couple of minutes before her break. I'm going to read it to you. Um, the newsletter is not complete yet. It's not out yet, but um, it's in the process of being written. Oh, my goodness. Um, there's the music for our first break, beloved. But sorry for this confusion. I'm trying to juggle looking at you and finding things on the Internet at the same time. I have to get up to speed on that. Um, I'll read this when we come back. It's just... Uh, let's see, it's it's Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 17, if you could look up as well. Call in, beloved, during the break with anything on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483. You may text at that number as well, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. The Station of the Cross offers online tutorials to help you get the most out of your iCatholic Radio app. You'll be introduced to our latest features and the opportunities available for not only listening to our live stream, but also to a variety of podcasts of our shows, prayers, and special presentations. For these tutorials and more, click on the iCatholic Radio link located on the Stations page of our website, thestationofthecross.com. Users of iCatholic Radio are raving about our app in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Amy says, I live in an isolated area in northern Arizona, and I was only able to listen to Catholic Radio when I visited my parents. This app is wonderful. I love being able to listen, reflect, and learn about my Catholic faith. It's making me stronger every day. Another reviewer says, great alternative, excellent app for when you're not in a good reception area. Even better when linked through Bluetooth to the car stereo for better listening enjoyment. And Daniel recommends iCatholic Radio saying, Catholic Broadcasting Excellence. With this app, I'm always just a click away from my Catholic faith. A must install for all Catholics. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, what are you waiting for? Visit your iTunes or Google Play store today. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. Boniface. Dear St. Boniface, our Holy Father sent you to evangelize Germany. 
aided by monks and relying on God's grace, obtained through assiduous prayer, you made countless converts. O leader who died for the Lord, imbue us with great missionary zeal and help us in our spiritual renewal. Amen. to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. To Mother Miriam Live, beloved, I'm thrilled to be with you, and we're going to now go. I'm not going to go back and read what I was going to before the break. We'll start off tomorrow morning with that, but you can look up Second Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. It is a, it is a snapshot, a photo of our day. Um, and uh, we have a text from... Um, uh, somebody who has texted anonymously and says, I have... Stage four breast cancer and meta- um, and metastatic to my bones, especially my spine, where now I have several fractures. Oh, my dear one, I unite my pains to Jesus' sufferings. Good for you. But I'm not sure if it might not count if I take pain medicine. Oh, no, beloved. You take that pain medicine. Of course, that is from God. You don't need, we don't need voluntary martyrdom. God gives us all the suffering that we need uh, for our souls and to make reparation for the sins against his uh, sacred heart and our lady's immaculate heart. You don't have to give yourself any more suffering than God has allowed you. And there's no reason God has helped us with doctors, pain medication. You take it. And even with pain medication, you still have tremendous suffering in your condition. It won't eliminate your suffering. I know that. You know that. It'll lessen the pain, even if it took away the pain completely, which I doubt. But even if it took away the pain completely, you still know that you have stage four breast cancer and um, and that your bones are fractured and that your life is very, very fragile. And so... Uh, there's so many things for you to think about, so much suffering, so much you can't do by yourself that you used to do, and, and all the help and care you need. No, 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 no. Um, don't worry about that. In fact, if the pain is lessened some, you'll be a little more clear-minded to join your sufferings to our Lord, and that'll be a good thing. You'll be a little more clear-minded to be able to th- love those who are caring for you right now and be a witness to them. So I bless God for you, dear one. You take that pain medication and don't you worry about that. You will offer everything to God um, and give him thanks for that pain medication. This is a good thing. All right, beloved. And I ask all our listeners and those who are watching live stream to pray for this soul, to pray that God will give her a good and happy and holy death. In time, if he chooses to heal her, there's nothing for God. If he wants to heal her this side of heaven instead of the other side, that's okay. But trust that God has allowed this for your sanctification and for perhaps the salvation of others. 
Okay, we have a um, a message uh, that was transferred from Facebook from Denise, who says, Hello, Mother Miriam. I am listening to your radio show, and I have a question. My 16-year-old son had a seizure two days ago on his 16th birthday. Oh, dear. It is... It has been very hard on him, and today he found out he cannot drive for six months to a year. He was so upset that he asked why God hates him. It breaks my heart. Can you give him some advice? Of course, I told him that God loves him, but I wish I could give him more. Well, if he wants to know why God hates him, he may not be convinced by your words that God loves him. He, he probably believes you, but he doesn't understand it. And you know, he's 16 years old. If he's been raised in the faith and he's Catholic and he understands the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. If he knows that the sacrifice of Christ is from the love of God and that God gave his son for our sins. We are the ones that put his son to death, that God allowed that. If he says to you, because he can't drive for six months to a year, he wants to know what, what God, why God hates him. You know what I would do now? You don't have to take my approach. But if I were with him, I would say, son, it's for the same God hates you for the same reason he hated his son when he put him on the cross. And just let him think about that. Don't correct that very quickly. He hates you the way and for the same reason he hated his son. Just let, his, just let that sink into his mind. Because if your son knows his faith at all, he'll say, Mom, God didn't hate Jesus. He didn't hate his son. And say to him, well, why don't you think he did? He put him on the cross. That's pretty much, that's a lot more severe than you're not driving for six months to a year. He put his son to death. Why do you say he didn't hate him? Well, he didn't hate him. He did it for our salvation. Are you sure he didn't hate his son, your son? Mom, come on, stop it, I'm sure. Well, did he love his son? Yes. Well, why did he let him be on the cross then? For our salvation, Mom. Come on, I know that. I know that. Well, why would you think that he hates you then? He allowed suffering for his son, for our salvation. Why do you think he wouldn't allow that epileptic seizure that would stop you from driving for your safety, beloved, for your safety for six months to a year? Why do you think that he hates you? Why would God change and, and cease to be God? That he loved his son when he put him to death, but he hated you because you can't drive for six months? And and you can say to your son, it's not reasonable. It's not rational. You're being emotional. I don't blame you. This is a great disappointment. But sweetheart, God is going to give you a lot more trials through your life because it's the only way we grow. And he never gives us a trial that he won't help us to handle. Nothing at all. Nothing at all when we turn to him. Yes, it's a loss to you. Yes, it's a suffering to you. But trust God that he is honoring you with this. He is honoring you early in life with this suffering so that your faith 
can grow deep, not so that you live your life selfishly and doing whatever you want, when you want, how you want. We need to learn self-control. We need to learn to walk with God. And God gives us these trials in order to help us. And if we reject him by saying he hates us, that's rejecting him, son. That's rejecting him. It's not understanding. It's not love. It's not receiving his love. You see, God loves you enough to allow you to have that epileptic seizure because he wants you to grow up to be a hero, to be a saint, maybe to be martyred for him one day. And this is a tiny baby step. I don't want to be martyred. Well, that's not your choice. And I'm not saying God will martyr you, but this is a beginning suffering that God has honored you with, that you might know him and love him and walk with him. And then give him a saint book, several saint books to read during that six months to a year. There's the music for our second break, beloved. It's going to be very short. We'll have the rest of our time to ourselves. Call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. St. Aylred of Rivaux said, Charity may be a very short word, but with its tremendous meaning of pure love, it sums up man's entire relation to God and to his neighbor. A lasting way you can show charity to others is by remembering us in your will. If you've worked hard and have been blessed financially, consider leaving a bequest to the Station of the Cross. Please speak with your financial advisor or lawyer for more information. We also welcome you to contact us about a bequest so that we can help Catholic Radio continue spreading the love of God throughout our world. Call 1-877-888-6279. That's 1-877-888-6279. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy that thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to 
Mother Miriam Live. I have to get used to saying Mother Miriam Live instead of Heart to Heart with Mother Miriam, which we've had for so long. And for those of you who missed the first couple of days, this is the same program. The same me, the same you, the same Station of the Cross, but now being live streamed by both Station of the Cross and Life Site News um, on their Facebook pages, websites, other avenues. I'm not a social media geek, so I don't know, but it's all over the place. So I'm so thrilled for that. Mother Miriam Live, same thing. Um, now, um, we have uh, a second uh, message that was uh, put on Facebook, um, and it comes from Anonymous. Thank you, Mother Miriam. I am validly married in the church, but my husband is not Catholic. I had my marriage convalidated in the church after receiving counsel from a holy priest. I have a 14-year-old daughter that I homeschooled the majority of her childhood. We live in the country, and I have taken her to co-ops and other things to help her gain community. But unfortunately, many of the kids were clicky, and she did not make any connections. This last year... um, We were able to put her in a Catholic school, and she made a connection with one of the girls there. Anyways, the school only goes up to eighth grade, and we cannot afford a Catholic high school. I'm willing to homeschool her, but she is adamant that she wants to go to the local public high school with the friend that she made in Catholic school. Also, my husband wants her to go there. Because we saw, he saw how depressed she was when she was home and isolated. I have tried everything talking to both of them, but they both still insist on public school. Part of me understands that because it's really hard to be isolated. Partly, a part of me understands that because it's really hard to be isolated. I wonder about your church, uh, dear one, why... There aren't friends from church that she could get together with. I I don't know that situation. But this woman continues. Also, my husband allows them to go on screens and social media constantly. So I almost feel like having her home would not really help because she is exposed to the world through that anyway. Well, that's, that's a shame. That will ruin her and her friend. So my question is, what do I do? Oh, do I completely refuse to send her? If I did that, given my circumstances, I feel like it would be com- it would completely backfire and she might even completely rebel, plus I would have no support from my husband. She said repeatedly she believes all that the church teaches and that she will hold to that regardless of what the other kids say. I hope that's true. But I know temptations to please others can be very strong. Okay, sorry for the long story. I've already approached my husband and her, and neither one will listen to my counsel. So now what should I do? Am I sinning if I let her go to school? Thanks so much for your time and advice, Mother Sincerely Anonymous. Well, you kind of, dear one, opened the door to that when you sent her to Catholic school that went up to eighth grade from homeschooling. Um, I think you said in the beginning, um, uh, this last year we were put her, able to put her in a Catholic school and she made a connection. So 
once you did that, you opened the door to her not wanting to come back home. Now, some children, it's the opposite. Once they go to even Catholic school or public school, they want to come back home. So with her, it worked the opposite way. You cannot afford Catholic high school. Well, even if you could, I'm guessing your daughter would rebel because she wants to be with this friend. And I would just say uh, being with her friend must not determine the school that she goes to. Uh, Her parents must determine that. Um, uh, Because hopefully she can get together. If this is a good Catholic friend, she can get together with her outside of school now that she's made that connection um, with your permission. But uh, the fact that you cannot afford a Catholic high school, um, let's just assume that's the case. I don't know um, what your situation is, what you can do to afford a Catholic high school, what you can give up, what you can sell, uh, a job you can do at home to earn extra money. I don't know what that's about. Um, If you've talked to them, you've talked to your parish, there's no scholarship, there's nothing available. I would try every way I could first on that. Now, short of that, uh, as bad as public schools are and can be, there are some Catholic schools, dear one, that can be worse. Why? Because if they're a Catholic school and they don't teach, they're not faithful to the church teaching, then your child is going to think she got a Catholic education and she didn't, and she will leave the church in college. So the fact that it's called a Catholic school does not mean it's Catholic. So all those uh, situations and cautions. But if she would go to public school, um, I tell you, I would not eliminate that. I would not eliminate that at all. And um, But I would go to the school, and I would f- look at their curriculum, and I would find out exactly what they teach. And if they teach sex ed... She does not go to the school, or she must be exempt from those classes. If they teach, um, you have to see what, if they teach gender ideology, same-sex marriage, uh, anybody can choose their gender, the answer is no. No matter how much she rebels, the answer is no. You cannot, it's not just a class she could be exempt from. She must not go to the school. If they They don't have to teach good moral values. They just need not to pour demonic stuff into the hearts of the children. So that's what I would do. I would find out. I'd go to the principal. I'd go to the the leader of her grade or the eighth grade, whatever it would be, or her teachers would be, and I'd ask them, uh, be a witness to them, be a good Catholic, be a loving mother. But I'd say, my, my... my girl, my little girl really wants to come to the school. Um, would you be good enough to show me what she'd be learning? Tell me the curriculum, the books that she would need to get, and all of that. You must know that, because otherwise, if it's demonic, if you could say, well, it's, it's not godly, but it's not demonic. Wrong. It's either godly or it's demonic. There's no, real, there's no such thing as neutral. But if God is not spoken of, if it's, again, not against what we believe is true of the human person, we could let that go. But you don't want her in those other classes. Um, and if she says, Mom, I can handle it, I'm Catholic, well, maybe she can or not. It, it's 
it's really going to be, but I still wouldn't put her through that. I wouldn't put her through that kind of suffering. Why have that time? And you're paying for it. You're paying for books, whatever it may be, taxes. You don't want to pay for that. So if you go to a public school and it's a, let me just say, decent public school, they don't bring all that stuff in, which is hard to find today, then you could go. But it must be determined that you and her father are responsible more than the schools for her education. You stay, education is not given to the schools or to the church by God. It's given to the parents. You are responsible for her education. And if you agree that she would go to a public school, it must be on the basis that every day when she comes home from school, she go, you sit down for an hour, have a glass of milk and cookies, and talk what she's learned today. And if, see if she has questions. And say, Mom, you're not going to believe what the teacher said. You know, whatever it is. Um, and go through the Catholic, put what she teaches through the Catholic grid. And she says, Mom, I know the teacher said that it's wrong. I know it's wrong. And say, good, honey. Great. We both know it's wrong. Very good. Tell me what the right thing is. And she says, well, I'm not sure. I know it's wrong, but I'm not sure what's right. Okay. Then you help her to know what's right. Well, you know what? I don't know the exact answer myself. Let's look it up in the catechism. There's a, an index in the back. Let's look it up in scripture. And that's the way. There's no other way to send your child to public school. You, you cannot say, sweetheart, uh, I, you have to say, I don't have a choice. I will stand before God accountable for what you learn. And if we do this, we do this together. And, well, but mom, I want to spend time with my friends. Say, so you know what? Bring her over. We'll have, a, we'll have a class between the three of us if your dad's at work. Bring her over. That's fantastic. Bring her over. We'll go over it together. This is fabulous. And you two could really become missionaries to the school just by being a witness, not necessarily by preaching. You know, but you might have a chance to raise your hand and, and, and counter if the teacher said, is that, do you understand that? You can raise your hand and say, actually, I don't because God teaches something else. You know, you could talk and be a witness. So that's, that's my counsel. Um, that's my counsel. And again, uh, it's terrible consequences to be unequally yoked, to marry, and if you're Catholic, you marry a non-Catholic. It's, it's a terrible consequence because your children's lives and eternity, including yours, are at stake. If your choice was convalidated in the Catholic Church, then your husband, your non-Catholic, has agreed to raise your children Catholic. And if you agree to put them in a public school, it's only on the basis that that is coupled with homeschooling to find out what they've got over. That's it. There's no other choice. Um, and in, in fact, dear parents, um, if you are sending your children to public school, that's a given. You must sit down with them not once a week, every single day. Just sit down with them when they come home from school or at night when your husband's at home, all of you come together and say, okay, tell, how, how were things today? You know, how much Catholic theology did you learn or how much uh, Catholic theology uh, was taught against? And we can become, this is apologists in our own home by understanding those things. 
You see, that is the responsibility of parents. And if you fail that, you have failed your vocation as parents, you have failed your children, and you will be accountable before God. The schools, the Catholic schools and Catholic churches will be accountable for what they've done and failed to do. But the vocation of education is not on them. It is on the parents. Absolutely number one. It's yours. And if you stand before God and say, you know, um, I didn't know what my child learned in school. Uh, They didn't tell me or, you know, they told me and I didn't realize this other stuff was going on. You are responsible for that. You are responsible for that. You must know. You must know the books. You must know their content. You must know. You must gain your children's uh, trust and respect. If they simply do it as an obedient drill, uh, they're going to keep much from you because they're not going to want to be accountable. You need to be um, a parent who respects your children and asks them questions, uh, not with a judgmental attitude, not with an accusatory attitude, but say, sweetheart, what do you think that teacher is? You know, does she say what her faith is? Well, no, mom, but I know she's not a Catholic. Well, how do you know that? You know, what, what, what does she give away? I mean, there are different ways you can, you, can, you can learn about what you are letting your children uh, be exposed to. Okay, we have a, another uh, Facebook comment from Bella, and who writes, Mother Miriam, thank you so much for your beautiful new program. Thanks, Bella. I'm a new listener also. I wanted to comment that I was taught that all Catholics had to make their Easter duty every year. This meant that we had to go to confession and communion at least once a year, preferably during the Easter period, no matter if we had mortal sin or not, and that... Um, and that not to do so was a sin. Is this your understanding? Thank you, Bella. Bella, we've just got a minute to the program. I'm going to answer you very quickly. No, it's not my understanding, sweetheart, because I said differently on the program. There's no longer that requirement. The, you, you, you did learn that, and it was right. But the new code of canon law does not require anyone to go to confession, even at Easter, even once a year, unless for mortal sin. If you want to see canon law on that, even the catechism on that, you go uh, to the catechism, go to catholic.com, catholic.com, that's the website for Catholic Answers, and simply type in the word confession, and you will see, do we have to go to confession once a year if there's no mortal sin, you know, on, you will see it, and you will see all the support that is current um, right now uh, in the current code of canon law. So we may grieve at that, but we can't speak what the church teaches today is wrong. It's not wrong. God bless you for that, Bella. We'll see you all tomorrow and speak with you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by The Station of the Cross. The Station of the Cross is a listener-funded, nonprofit organization. If this podcast has helped you in your spiritual journey, please consider making a donation. 
Donations can be made through our website, thestationofthecross.com, or by calling 1-877-888-6279. You can also donate right through our free iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for listening to and supporting the Station of the Cross, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity.